What I'd like to do is challenge everybody's thinking because the underlying philosophy of the way males have been taught to think is called postmodern deconstructionism. And that is ultimately the problem that men, young men in particular, are facing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It's a journey that you must take on your own, your walk of faith, but we can come alongside mm-hmm. you. We can't do it for you, but we can come alongside you. We can be companions. We can encourage you. We can challenge you, and we can tell you some cheesy jokes along the way. But Hey, you're cheesy. I'm not. Oh, is it just me? Oh, my yeah, God. You're cheesy, I'm and those, I'm salty. I'm working on... Oh, <laughs> more food analogies. Man, we shouldn't record this before lunch, but... Yeah, that's true. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, and we cannot do this without the salty pastor, the extra salty pastor himself, <laughs> Dr. Douglas B. Yeah, if you're watching today, you can see I'm wearing a shirt. My wife got me this shirt. It says, extra salty, because I'm getting extra salty, I guess. I don't know. I believe... <laughs> I. Well, because if, if you're regular salty, then it's just like this savory, right? But you're, you've moved up in the. In uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Is it an there's age nothing, thing? There's it, nothing did she nice. give it to you for your birthday? Yeah, yeah. Really? As I get older, I just get more salty. Now I'm just annoying. But now you're, uh, you're well cured at this yeah, point. Let me be annoying for a moment. Please do the work, do the work, do the work. This is your faith. You can't. You live in a world now where the option of not knowing what you believe and why you believe it doesn't exist anymore because you will be manipulated. You will be, people are attempting to influence you and create narratives that you believe and tell yourself And these things, these stories that you tell yourself have an immense amount of control on, on, uh, your life. And so one of the things that really we say all the time is what you believe is one of the most important things about you. And what you believe is the stories that you tell yourself in any given Mm -hmm. situation. And these stories control your life. They control your experience. They control so much. And so the only way to rewrite the story you're telling yourself is to really challenge your core beliefs, really clarify those core beliefs. And then what happens is only then will you see transformational change happen in your own life. So that's what the Salty Pastor is all about, is helping you challenge core beliefs, really get down to the nut. We call that the upstream principle. That's where the, the, the water springs from the well. It's where mm. it's freshest. And then as it flows down, it changes things downstream in your life. So that's what it's all about. And that's why uh, I'm excited about the Salty Pastor. That's why we're coming up on 200 episodes. 200 episodes. Isn't that amazing? And I'm I'm more excited about what we're going to be doing uh, than ever before. In the next mm. hundreds of episodes, I'm ready to go. So let's get fired up and help people uh, know what they believe and why they believe it. Absolutely. Well, we are in the start of our brand new series at the movies, mm-hmm. which is completely different than what we've been doing the last few months. Um, We're going to be looking at movies and how these stories can help reveal some of the the truth behind scripture mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. through some of these principles that these secular people wrote in and maybe they probably did not yeah. know what they were doing, yeah. but they uh, are, are reflecting some biblical principles yeah. unintentionally. So yes, um, we are, are going to kind of invert the process um, a little bit where we're going to be talking about the movie and then, mm-hmm. and on Tuesday we then studied the, the biblical principles under it. it Today it, yeah. we're going to um, go back to the movie, talk about it a little bit more, but understand some of those core principles 
principles that apply to us today as well. So Mm -hmm. um, we kicked off this series with the movie Saving Private Ryan, which is a great movie um, from the 90s, I believe. Yes, 1998. 1998. Um, I was 10 years old at that point. You were... Uh, older than that. <laughs> 1998? How old was I? I don't know. I was 25 years 25, ago. 25, yeah. So I was probably 33, 34. Okay. All right. And you were 10. I was 10. Yeah. So, um, Salty Pastor, we're going way, way back to this movie <laughs> from 1998. <laughs> Can you review for us um, a little bit about what we talked about as far as this movie was concerned in our Bible study episode on Tuesday? Yeah, I think the 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 drama of the movie, the tension in the movie that makes it so good, well, you know, it was well-directed. Uh, there's a lot of great battle scenes in it, which are very attractive to men. But the underlying drama in it that made it so good was this basic story where Mr. and Mrs. Ryan had four sons in 1940, and all four were serving in the military. And in a strange series of deployments, three were killed in action, and the fourth one was dropped behind enemy lines. Mm. Now, the top brass in the military determined that the fourth son, hopefully still alive, should be sent home so that the Ryan family name could carry on. Thus begins the story. A small team of 10 soldiers led by battle-tested Captain Miller, and you were introduced to him on D-Day as he storms Omaha Mm. Beach, which was the bloodiest beach of all, set out to find this lost Private Ryan. And this movie is about their search. And so they, you know, it unveils this notion that life is a journey and you're on mission. So we kind of talked a little bit about the biblical principle is that you have a purpose for your life. You're not here by accident. The other part that really brings uh, drama to the story is that as they are searching, they're confronted with multiple roadblocks that they have to fight through. And each time they do this, they lose a member of their team who gets Mm -hmm. killed. So the men who have fought side by side in North Africa and are really, really close, they have deep respect for Captain Miller, their company commander, but between the battles they fight, they have these discussions as they're marching through the countryside searching for uh, Private Ryan on how come their mission is now a person and why is this person's life more important or more valuable than their life? Mm. And so this is a question of duty and it's a question of value. And that is what makes one life more valuable than another? Does it? Well, the scripture specifically says that all of us do not have the value enough to be saved. And that's why we were enemies of God. God demonstrates his own love for us and that Christ died for us. So that's a big deal, you know? Yeah. So Saving Private Ryan was a very popular movie. I mean, it it grossed $481 million uh, between uh, the U.S. and other territories. And almost every guy I know has seen it. um, And they like it. So Mm -hmm. what does this theme that they all like why does it have such a strong what, pull? What from, is for, for, yeah, why yeah. is it pulling men in, well, in America I think, today? I think it really hits to, you know, as we talked on Tuesday about the notion that your life has a purpose and you you need to have some type of responsibility. There, you have a duty. You have a duty to yourself. You have a duty to God. And you have a duty 
to the people around you. This is called responsibility. And men are drawn to movies like this because it offers them something that our current society does not offer them. It transports them to a time when guys were offered the opportunity to face an unbearable challenge to step up and do their duty, which is another way of saying they could accept responsibility. And here is the internal struggle for all guys is that we know in the depth of our heart that we must be challenged. We must challenge ourselves in order to discover who we really are, because every man across the board is asking himself either consciously or subconsciously, am I enough? Am I really a man? And so in order to discover that you must accept responsibility for something outside of yourself, that's called your duty, your duty to yourself, your duty to whatever it is outside of you. And then you have to struggle to fulfill it. You know, it's, it's not something that's easy. There's nothing good in life for a man that is easy. It is, it has to be a challenge he accepts that pushes him. Men don't grow in the, you know, the strawberry and whipped cream flowers and sunny afternoon days. You know, those are down days when you're resting. It's, it's in the grit. It's in the struggle. It's in the, that you discover who you really are as a man because you're doing your duty. And so, uh, the, the other side of the struggle that men have is, we know that, but who wants to actually do that? You know, I, I would, in a lot of ways, I would rather, you know, take Saturday off and watch a football game and eat pizza, you know, and drink a beer. That'd be a whole lot funner right, <laughs> for me. But, uh, and, and to have those times is good. You have to have rest times and recharge times. But so many men today want that to be their everyday life. Mm. They want it that way every day. I was talking to a really good friend of mine and we were talking about vacations and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, families and stuff, they, they want to go to a beach and they just want to lay on the beach for six, seven, 10 days. And they just really enjoy that. And I'm like, that drives me nuts. You know, <laughs> that's not a vacation for me. Uh, uh, because all I do is I go there and for a day I rest, you know, and then you sleep and then you kind of get caught up. And then after that, I start thinking about all the things that I need to, or could be doing. Right. Right. So what, what really helps me, uh, decompress and have a vacation that recharges me is when I go and I accept a challenge or I'm doing something a little bit out of my box. Um, it could be physical, it could be adventurous, it could be, uh, discovering something new, you know, mm. those types of things really tend to help me the most. And, and that's because I've grown past that point where, you know, like young men, it's like, they think that life to them is sitting on a beach and drinking beer all day and that's it. Right. And they never realize that you never discover your true authentic manhood unless you challenge yourself, you accept responsibility. But that other path is so much easier. You can just coast and the world in which we live does everything it can to talk you out of taking responsibility for your life. I really believe this. Have you ever wondered why our society constantly tells young men that their effort won't make any difference? They're constantly saying this. It, it constantly tells young men, that look, you're the problem. All men are the problem. And so men have been listening to that, you know, and now, uh, 60% of all women in college are, or 60% of all people in college are women. Men just are like, yeah, I'm not going to go to college cause I don't want to go there. It's anti-male, uh, in marriages, 
today. You know, the biggest problem that we're having today is young men don't want to get married. Mm. And well, society keeps telling them that every relationship problem that exists is the fault of the man. Well, if you're a guy, I mean, guys are not highly complicated. If you say, yeah, this situation is all your fault, then they're going to avoid situations where they're blamed for everything. Right. <laughs> you know, they just do that. Um, uh, if you tell an ethnic minority that you can't succeed because there's this nameless, faceless boogeyman out there called privilege, then why try? Because if you try and you don't succeed, then it's, it has nothing to do with your effort, has nothing to do with your discipline. It has nothing to do with whether you prepared properly or trained yourself to succeed in this endeavor. It has everything to do with the fact that you failed because there's this nameless, faceless thing that nobody can actually describe called privilege that gets in your way. Mm. I don't think of anything more disempowering to young men than to tell them this kind of craziness. What you have to tell young men is accept responsibility and try and try and try again. You know, the, the heart of a man isn't how many times he's knocked down. It's how many times he gets up. Right. You know, why do you think the Rocky movies were so popular to an entire generation of males, massively popular, uh, the Rocky movies. And the reason why is because number one, he trained himself. He had an opportunity, so he took it. He accepted responsibility, and then he trained himself. He pushed himself, pushed himself, pushed himself. And then every time in the fight scenes, what you start to see in the final climactic boxing matches is that he always goes through one of the rounds where he just gets pummeled. Right. You know, he's always getting pummeled. He has to get knocked down yeah, first. Yeah, he gets knocked down first, but what does Rocky always do? He gets back up. up. Yeah. I think it was in uh, Rocky three with uh, Mr. T known as Clubber Lane, you know, comes and just beats the snot out of him. And uh, that's when the song, the eye of the tiger came back. Remember Apollo Creed comes in and says, Hey, I'm going to help you get your fire back. And in the first one, uh, he clubber lane just destroys him. And then in the second one, he's so prepared. He's so, you know, he's trained harder. He's got his fire back and he gets in there and clubber lane just starts pounding on him and pounding on him. And he just starts screaming. Is that all you got? Is that all you got? You know? And it's just like, uh, it's just a, a really incredibly intense scene. And guys look at that and go, man, I want to be tested that way. And this is the principle of duty. It, duty is the, the offer that society or God makes to a man to accept responsibility. You cannot be forced into your duty. You have to pick it up yourself. It's for you as a man and for the world around you. And a man will never discover who he is without accepting responsibility first, without understanding that no matter how many times I get knocked down, there is nothing that ultimately can stand in my way. Okay. So if we take this idea of accepting responsibility or this duty, what are some of the primary distractions in men's life that stop them from accepting this offer of responsibility to discover their true selves? Well, the easy answer to that, of course, for every red-blooded male would be to talk about sex and our sex-saturated society. But what I'd like to do is challenge everybody's thinking because the underlying philosophy of the way males have been taught to think is called postmodern deconstructionism. And that is ultimately the problem that men, young men in particular, are facing. 
You see, it always leads to nihilism, which is basically, it doesn't matter what I do. It's all meaningless anyway. See, if there, what postmodernism says is if there is no meta narrative, there's no truth. If there's no big picture out there where your effort makes a difference, then guess what? Nothing is true and nothing matters. And it plays out this way for young men. What, what I do doesn't really matter. So why try and do something? You know, uh, if I try to uh, manage and control my sex drive, why? It just doesn't matter. It, in the end, it doesn't really matter. If, why should I work so hard to improve myself if nothing really matters? And so it's better to just distract myself from my own pain you know, or my own lostness or my own emptiness. It's just easier, you know, to just get involved in 3d environments or, uh, uh, little pleasures and, and little things, but making long-term commitments and practicing things like loyalty and stuff like that. Nah, I'm not going to do that. But that what happens is that this bleeds the soul of a man dry. It robs him of direction and it opens them up to radicalized behaviors. You know, here, here's a case of point. A lot of people don't know this, but the highest amount of radicalized Muslim extremists come from Saudi Arabia, right? Mm. Um, out of all the nine 11 attackers, there were 17 and 15 of them were Saudi Arabian citizens. That's a statistical anomaly. You know, well, why is that? What most people don't know is that if you are a Saudi citizen, you live in the largest welfare state in existence. The Saudi king gives every male Saudi not only free education, in some cases free housing, free health care, free everything, and a large monthly stipend from the oil revenues. And according to Expatica, uh, this is an organization that helps people find jobs in other countries. You know, you can go be an expat and work somewhere else. 76% of the workforce in Saudi Arabia is foreigners. Hmm. So Saudis don't even do their own work, right? They hire other people to come in and do all of their work. So it opens up a guy to, to be radicalized. Why, why do young men join gangs. Why do, uh, young men get radicalized? Uh, just recently, uh, just happened in the, the timing of this recording of this podcast happened just after, uh, a couple of crazy things recently happened in America. One guy who was a white supremacist who was radicalized during COVID cause he was so he was locked up and he wasn't around anybody. He went in and tried to kill and well, he ended up killing, I don't know, 15 black people in a shopping area. Mm -hmm. And he wrote this manifesto. That's crazy. It, it's just crazy stuff. Um, how does that happen? You know, how, how do guys do that? Another young man, a Hispanic guy just went into an elementary school and ended up, I think has killed almost 20 children and two teachers by just running in and shooting them. Mm -hmm. And so, how is it that these things happen? Well, it isn't, it doesn't have anything to do with gun control, whether it's good or bad. It doesn't have anything to do with, uh, 
uh, our educational uh, structure, you know, like what time you go to school and so forth. It has everything to do with the values and the ethos of what America is telling young males. And it has robbed them of any opportunity to accept responsibility for their life and to do their duty. And when that happens, they have no identity. You know, they've lost identity. One thing that that uh, the the white supremacist in, uh, did up in uh, Buffalo, what this young man did down here uh, in the elementary school, and what we see at Sandy Hook, another big massacre, is that none of these young men had men in their lives. Mm. You know, they had no fathers, they had no men. And so what's happened is it's robbed them of the opportunity to accept their duty, accept their responsibility in life. And therefore they have no identity. It isn't a matter of whether you like your identity or your duty, whether you feel good about it, uh, whether you start off enjoying it. When you start off, you don't enjoy it. I never met a military guy who says, oh, I loved boot camp. It was a ton of fun, <laughs> you know, but eventually you do love it, right? Because you realize what it brought to you. It brought mm. you identity. So just like the men in Saving Private Ryan, they, they wrestled with it. They had doubts with it, but ultimately what did they do? They did their duty and that made all the difference. So these men truly became this band of brothers right mm -hmm. and and they're very close and every time they lose a man they question why they're doing this right mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and what they're doing how significant is it that men question what they're doing and why they're doing it well i think this is uh important because it's an issue of purpose when a young man starts out he does what he does just to please others right uh, you know, if he's in a home and let's say there's no father in the house or no grandfather or uncle or coach or any of these other types of things, his, what he does is he just, as a young man lives to please his mom. Right. But very early on in around 12 or 13, when the testosterone hits, he shifts from trying to please others to I need to transactionally do things for myself. So he discovers work. Maybe he, he gets a girlfriend or something else. And so now he does what he does transactionally. I'm getting something out of this. And this is one of the things that, that they never, ever talk about in all of these instances. Like, for instance, at Sandy Hook, this guy's name's Adam. He grew up, he had no males in his family, and his mom worked there, and he hated his mom. And so the, the, the biggest struggle, and this is a salty thing to say, nobody wants to hear it, but it's the truth. And that is, if you're a single mom, the biggest thing that your son needs when he hits 12 is respect. And most single moms do not communicate respect to their, to boys. They, cause what, what they're either wounded or hurt. And so what they do is they try to treat their 12, 13, 14 year old son as if he's eight where you, there was an emotional transaction happening. Well, when the testosterone hits is the neuro, the neuro, the chemical neurology of his brain is changing. And there, this notion, this idiocy that a female brain and a male brain is exactly the same. And you can shift them in and out of bodies and you can identify as whatever you want is 
a mental illness is what it is. It's, it's unbelievable that this is continually propagated in our society and supported and uh, in a way. And then we wonder why these young men are so disturbed because society has robbed them of the opportunity to find identity. And that is a critically important point. He, once that boy goes into transactional stuff like he has an agreement then then it's very important for him to move to the next stage and this happens usually in his late teens early 20s and that is if he he gets a long-term girlfriend or if he uh, he might get married and have a family he might get out of college and get his first job in his career then what he does is he starts doing what he's doing because he thinks it's right even though I don't get anything out of it, it's right. I made a commitment to this woman. And so I'm going to, you know, I made a commitment to this job. And even though it's hard, sometimes I'm going to show up and do it because it's the right thing to do. So he starts, he moves out of transaction into sacrificial giving, protecting, providing. Finally, though, that is not even the final step of a male's development is that a true man, an authentic man ends up doing what he does because that is who he is, his authentic self. This doesn't mean he's perfect and that he doesn't make mistakes and that he still doesn't do have to deal with temptations or bad decisions because those things crop up. But what happens is that he can stay the course even while taking fire, so to speak, because that is who he is. A man will only mature through these stages if he is accepting responsibility for his life, doing his duty. But in the society in which all men live today, guess what? They undermined your principle of duty every step of the way. It says you have no responsibility to be a good citizen. Just recently, I read this stat and that really surprised me. And it said this uh, because of the Ukrainian invasion of Russia and said, what would you do if America was invaded? like Ukraine was. And did you know that a majority of citizens would flee and not fight for the country? Mm. To me, that explains the problem that we have in America today, because people who wouldn't fight for it are trying to make the decisions on what kind of country it should be. Right. And to me, that's incongruent. And what that is doing is that's robbing America of its soul. And in the process, it's robbing young men of the opportunity to accept the duty of being a good citizen. It's exactly what uh, JFK said all those years ago. The famous quote, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what your country, what you can do for your country to make it better. But we live in a world today where the only question is, uh, the country better do what I expect, fulfill my truth. And if it doesn't, I have no responsibility or duty to, to, towards it. So we've got a few minutes left, but um, I kind of just want to talk about this, this thing that's happening in this movie where these men in Saving Private Ryan certainly fought hard to make the world a better place. Yes. And I, I really liked how they constantly took these doubts that they communicated in between the fights, put them aside and fought anyways. Mm -hmm. Even though they had doubts, they still fought. Um, even though they wondered about their significance of their mission, they still fought hard for it. They didn't mm -hmm. just phone it in and say, well, whatever. It's, yeah. I don't need right? to show up because I wonder if it's pure or not. Right. Exactly. What's the lesson there for us in these last few minutes? Well, I think one of the significant things is this is as a man, you have to realize your doubts don't define you. You're always going to have doubts. Your insecurities don't define you. We are always going to have insecurities, right? Uh, our flaws 
don't define us. We're, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to continue to do things that, you know, probably we shouldn't do. Our mistakes then, not just our flaws, our inability to do things perfectly, but our mistakes don't define us as well when we make a bad decision. In the end, it's what you fight for that defines you. Every man is a warrior in some form or another. There is a battle he must fight. If he chooses not to fight or engage in the fight and he simply runs away from his battle, he will never discover his authentic masculine self, his masculine soul. He'll never be able to answer the question, am I enough? He'll never feel like a real man. You know, the last battle scene, uh, they're protecting this bridge. Uh, they're just getting wiped out. And Captain Miller is dying from his wounds, leaning against an old motorcycle. And what happens is Private Ryan, played by Matt Damon, bends down. And then Tom Hanks, who plays Captain Miller, grabs his collar and he says, earn this. He goes, earn this. And then he stands up and then there's this trick of cinematography, you know, that kind of morphs him into the old guy standing mm -hmm. there in Normandy. A great look. Yeah. Right in front of this white cross, the headstone of his grave. And it says on there, Captain Miller mm. in the day he died. And he, he, he says to Captain Miller, the old Ryan, he says, there is not a day that goes by that I think about what you said to me on that bridge. I did my best to live a good life. And then he turns to his wife and he says, am I a good man? And she doesn't know what's going on. So she's like, what? He goes, he goes, have I lived a good life? And she says, yes, absolutely. You see, he's asking the question at the end of his life that every man asks. And that is, am I enough? Am I enough? Saving Private Ryan is a movie that asks deep questions about what it means to be a man. And in the end, it reveals to us that the only way to truly discover who we are as men, to be able to answer the question with a resounding yes to am I enough, is when we discover who we are and who we were meant to be and fight that battle in Christ and Christ alone. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us, Pastor Doug. We are out of time for today, but we just are, I know I'm really excited for us to be kicking off this new series, looking at movies and um, reevaluating what they're saying and um, how they can maybe communicate truth that people who have read yeah. the Bible and didn't get it can understand better, right? That's so many connections. There's so many connections. So we encourage you guys to join us on campus if you can. Um, due to copyright restrictions, we can't show the movie clips we're going to be showing on campus on our online stream. So if you have the opportunity to be online or on campus with us, we encourage you, we will have something for you on the stream. Um, during those movie clips, we'll be doing something slightly different, but um, if you can be on campus, it's going to be a great experience. If you can't, then you're still going to have a great experience. It's just going to be slightly different, but make sure you join us on Sunday for the kickoff of at the movies. Blessings. <laughs>